Welcome. Welcome to Modern Mind. To Modern Mind. Ancient book. Ancient book. Where we together explore one of the most important books in human history. Hello and welcome to another Modern Mind Ancient Book. We continue our progress into the book of Exodus. We have finished Genesis, which left us in Egypt. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Moses. A lot about Moses. A lot about the power of God. And a lot about how God himself is active and moving in history. The book of the Exodus is about the redemption and deliverance of the Hebrew nation, which had by this point been in Egypt for 430 years, and their redemption and deliverance was exactly this. They were to be reprogrammed. They were to remember from where they came and from what they came and whom they served. And they were to be brought into the land which was promised to their father, Abraham. So, this book very much records um, a miraculous turn of events. So, you had a people who should have stayed Egyptian. They should have became more and more and more Egyptian, and so they were indistinguishable from the Egyptian people. But that's never been a thing for Jewish people. Jewish people, by and large, um, have remained a distinct and unusual people from the cultures around them. And this is very much true for their stay in Egypt at this time. Um, And we're going to learn more about that. So welcome to the book of Exodus. The Hebrew title for this book is We'ele Shemoch. And it means these are the names. So these are the names of the people who would begin the journey, who would overcome Pharaoh, the god Pharaoh, by the power of their god. These are the names of the Hebrews who were to become Israel, who were taken from Egypt. These are the names. The English title is just a a transliteration, which means, or translation, uh, which which means going out. Exo from dos, going out. Exodus. So that's the Greek title. Uh, Again, just like before, the Hebrew and the Greek tell the same story from slightly different perspectives. And you can actually see how Hebrew, being a more ancient, more Semitic, less Greek um, idea, actually focuses more on the fathers, the lineage, the heritage. Because that's what's important, and that's the world that you see in this ancient document very much so. The names of people, the name of your father, and from where you came, is a continuous theme. It's a meta-theme. It it runs all the way through the start, or from the start all the way to the finish of these books. It's a Hebrew way of thinking, but it's a Semitic way of thinking. It's it's an ancient Near Eastern 
way of thinking. It's an honor, shame culture. Uh, who your father is matters tremendously. Even today, in many Eastern and Near Eastern cultures, it's less so here in the United States. However, that isn't always true. Um, it does matter who your father is. Uh, currently, we have a gentleman in the White House, and because of his name, his son was able to make a lot of money. So, it matters who your father is. But particularly in the sense of this particular book, it's a theme that's throughout this. That's why you have generations in every book. The son of the son of the father of the son of. So, um... Then the next one is the going out. So that's like the other part of this story that also is very, very important. It is the hand of God that took the people, the Hebrew people, from the nation of Egypt, where they had essentially become Egyptian. But they could not remain because God had a story that he was going to write with them. He had a covenant with Abraham for the land. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. And now he's going to make another covenant with Moses, which is called the Mosaic Covenant. So Exodus records uh, historical events like the birth of Moses about 1526 BC. And it takes you from the birth of Moses to the encampment of Israel in the Sinai wilderness, which was 1445 BC. Now, just remember that you're going backwards in terms of time. So, today we go 2023, 2024, 2025. But the way we recorded the past was prior to AD, uh, or I think it's BCE is what some people refer to it as. Um, it was one... Well, it was, you know, 2,500, 2,499, 2,498, 2,497. It's going backwards. So, this records from 1526 to 1445. Exodus was written during a 40-year period in the wilderness while the people were kind of exiled, walking around in a circle in the wilderness. It took 40 years to kind of finish and complete this book. Now, the date for this book is approximately 1445 to 1405 BC. That's when all this information was compiled. Uh, Egypt, during the period of Israel's slavery down there, was characterized by a time of growth and expansion. Aminotep I ruled from 1546 to 1526. The government became centralized because of the expulsion of Hyksos foreign rulers. He was succeeded by Tutmos I, which was 1526 to 1512, whose daughter, Hatshepsut, may have been the Egyptian princess who discovered Moses among the reeds in the Nile. Tutmos II, 1512 to 1504, died, and so Tutmos III was the next to reign. 
1482. He was very young when he became pharaoh. His stepmother, Hatshepsut, asserted herself as ruler. Her reign was prosperous. She uh, had great organization and there was security for the nation. During her time, she was probably the one who had raised Moses. Moses would have been educated in the Egyptian royal court. He would have learned all the things of the Egyptians and he would have actually worshipped like them. He had a lot to learn, to learn how to worship the God of his father, Abraham. He was Egyptian. After Hafshutshet, Tutmos III took over rulership and became a powerful pharaoh. He had victories in the Palestinian Syrian regions, which you know are the land of Canaan. And we don't know when Tutmos III and Tutmos IV transitioned because there's a lack of precise Egyptian history. And we don't know which child died of the Pharaoh during the judgment of the firstborn, the Passover. Um, Tutmos III had some victories in Palestine and he was feared. He had great power. His successor was Aminotep II, and he was the pharaoh of the Exodus. His kingdom was weak and declining, probably because of what happened between his own godhood and the god of the Hebrews, during that time. The recipients of this book would have been the Exodus generation. So it's it's the people recorded in this book. Well, really in the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which are the Pentateuch or Torah. All of these were compiled during the same time, and they were written to the same generation, roughly. Joshua does extend to the next generation, but it was compiled, the events were compiled, kind of two and four, uh, the Exodus generation as well. So, the Lord God delivered and redeemed the Exodus generation through the ten plagues and taught them, gave them, delivered to them the Passover. It's called Pesach. It's still celebrated today. It's a very, very important Jewish holiday. It's definitely worth looking into. Do your studies. Eventually, we'll also get into all these holidays. I, I love them. I love talking about them. We love celebrating them. So, the Jewish people had a 400-year history in Egypt, they were under Egyptian rule. They were basically Egyptians. But they had also experienced cruel treatment under the dominion of Pharaoh Tutmos, either the third or fourth or both. Tutmos was known as a great military leader. 
He had extended Egyptian rule throughout the Middle East. He was feared. Amenhotep, who succeeded him, was his son, Amenhotep II, had been trained with special care that he might carry on the glory of his father. The Israelites had seen the great power of their God devastate Egypt, devastate the mighty Pharaoh, the mighty Pharaoh who called himself divine so that he was humiliated. They had lived for hundreds of years under the dominion of Egyptian culture and theology. The Egyptians worshipped many gods, and the Pharaoh was God's representative. This, the Exodus generation who received this book, well, now they're challenged to enter into a covenant with a new God, one whose name is Yahweh Elohim, the Lord. And they must obey him. The way you would want to read this is that you would imagine yourself encamped in the desert of Sinai, in the wilderness. You've seen the mighty power of God deliver you across the dry ground in the midst of a sea that had parted before you. You watch that same dry ground become a sea once again with your enemy destroyed and all of his troops who were pursuing you to destroy you by the power of your God whom you have just met again. You left your home, your work, your security. You're following Moses and you followed the cloud by day and the fire by night. Every day you experience miracles. Your people have failed their God and they've grumbled against Moses and their God. You've witnessed the judgment of God because he's holy on your enemies and on his enemies in your midst. You would be listening to the reading of Exodus so that you might avoid the mistakes of the past. You would want to remember the great power of God over your enemies, and soon you will be facing new enemies when you conquer the land of Canaan. You've been challenged to enter a covenant with the Lord God, and now you must consider the obligations of such a great commitment. You've been commanded to build a tabernacle, and God will dwell with you. As a new covenant nation, as a mosaic covenant nation, you learn how to be a citizen under this new theocracy, where you serve the Lord God and your neighbor. You are the image of God, not a slave to the gods, not a slave to Pharaoh, but a free man worshiping and following the God who took you and your people from slavery to many gods. So, the argument is that the Lord is a God of covenants, that he remembered Abraham, 
and that he brought Abraham's descendants from a place that was not theirs and promises to bring them to a place that he promised to Abraham. He's going to bring them from Egypt and he's going to bring them back to the land of Canaan, which their fathers left. Israel is his people and he will dwell with them as the Lord their God in great power. The purpose of this is to encourage the Hebrews to obey the Lord and to become a covenant people and to forget all that they were in Egypt but become a holy nation and then they would take the land which was theirs in the first place, the land which was promised to Abraham. They were to learn of his redemption, deliverance, and faithful character through the miracles that had been done for them. When God judged the God Pharaoh and humiliated him, when he took them through the chaos of the sea and then turned that chaotic sea into the tomb of their enemies, and when they built a tabernacle and the glory of God appeared in that place with them, after showing himself in cloud by day and fire by night, every day that they were with him. The key verse is Exodus 6, verses 6 through 7. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The themes of this book are God's sovereignty and election, meaning choice. He chose these people. The hardness of men's hearts, even in the face of miracles, the Pharaoh, um, and even his own people, uh, turned away or didn't believe it. Uh, consecration or separation, meaning being different from the people around you. When God calls you, you are to separate. You're to be different. It doesn't mean you separate from the people. It means you act differently. You have different customs. You have different ways. It's the theme of covenant, joining with God in agreement with him to live in his way or the way that he sees best for you, accepting that and doing it. There are numerous names of God, which um, we get to learn here. Uh, the first one being the name that Moses learns. He, he did not know this God. He said, whom should I say sent me? And the God said, in, in the burning bush said, I am that I am. Which is very interesting because the the nature of that is kind of what we would think of today in terms of um, maybe like, like a quantum physicist might kind of dream about with string theory and all these different things that there's something that is just existent and has always been existent. We like to call worlds those things, but in this story... It says the creator God is those worlds. He was, he is, and he always will be. It's that statement. 
it's it's quite profound if you really think about it. Many, 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 many books could be written about just that one statement. I am that I am. The appearance of God. After 430 years, there's a miracle. After 430 years of relative silence, of the people being kept in a place that was not the promised land, it was not the land of Canaan. After Joseph had lost renown for his name and the people had come to disrepute, the Lord their God did not forget them. Instead, he appeared. There are testings. The people had to be taught that they weren't Egyptian, that they weren't slaves to the gods, but instead that they were to be faithful, and if they weren't, there were, there were prices, there was a price to pay. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God from the first. Now he's bringing his people, whom he promised to Abraham, would be his descendants, would grow into a witness, a cloud, a people so numerous that the stars could not number them, nor the sand of the seashore. This is the formation of the people of God. This is the formation of the theocracy of Israel. The Torah is the law. It's five books that have certain regulations and things in it. It is a growing body of work that has since been added to with Talmud and Mishnahs and other writings, history, hist history and sages uh, have recorded different things throughout the times. What we have in the Christian Bible, um, we don't really keep the, you know, the Talmud and we don't necessarily renown the Mishnahs. But I would advise reading them because the Spirit of God is also present there. It's an interesting, interesting experience if you can have the open mind to do it. Not everything is perfect or right, but it is good. It is good to learn. Um... There's a destruction of foreign peoples and their idolatrous gods. There's possession of the promised land. And there's compassion and judgment of God. So, this is a survey of the book of Exodus. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And pretty soon, you'll hear from us again with the next book. We hope your week is good, and we pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you in every way. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Come back soon. Thank you for joining us for Modern Mind, Ancient Book. We hope that the time spent with us was valuable for you. It certainly was for us. Like Isabella said, please come back soon.